Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. The guest this week is sonographer Mr. Umberto De Nino. The interview this week is going to be a bit different. Instead of a one-on-one in-person or video interview, this interview was actually done via email. It's a bit strange, I know, but for practical reasons, this was the way afforded to us. One of the great things about the Archiving Technical Theater History Group is that it has many people from various places around the globe represented. Now, while most of us are able to communicate electronically with a certain amount of ease and precision, sometimes talking face-to-face can be a bit of a challenge. In this case, there was a bit of a language barrier. Umberto did not feel his English was strong enough. He actually speaks Italian, and I, of course, do not speak Italian, let alone a phrase or two. Instead of just scrapping the interview, I thought I'd send along the questions and have Umberto answer them on his own time. I would then produce a show based on those answers and let you, the audience, hear them. I want to say Umberto was extremely generous with his time and thoughts, and I would personally like to thank him for doing this for me and for you, the audience. I met Umberto in Cardiff, Wales at the Oysted at 50 event and found him to be enthusiastic, warm, engaging, and certainly passionate about the art and practice of sonography. Please understand that the answers you will hear me speaking are his. I have had to do a bit of editing to help give them a bit more flow. I have also done this with the utmost sensitivity so as not to lose the context in which they were given. Without further ado, here are the words of Mr. Umberto De Nino. And hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. This is uh, going to be a little bit different, as I said in the opening, uh, that this episode is a sort of interview with uh, my friend, uh, sonographer Umberto De Nino. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, I, I try and work very diligently to, to get every, no, everybody's name correct. So, Umberto, if you hear this and I've said your name wrong, I deeply, deeply apologize. <laughs> um, one of the, uh, the challenges of, of doing these podcasts from time to time is that, obviously, we're not in the same place at the same time. Uh, it's done either over Skype or Zoom or some other some other mechanism. In this instance, uh, I had a little bit of a challenge uh, uh, in communication, but this time it was more of a language barrier. So uh, Umberto was very generous in answering a few questions that I had sent him, uh, asking him about his life and how he began. And I had intended to try and have someone uh, work with me to, to, to make this happen and so that you could hear two voices. Unfortunately, due to time constraints and, and some of the challenges that I have here in Trinidad, um, I wasn't able to do that. But I'm not going to let you down. I said I was going to get this episode out, and I'm going to bring it to you. So if you can give me a few uh, minutes of your time and hopefully the theater of your mind, and uh, I would like to actually bring you to bring to you the the words uh, and responses from Umberto. So bear with me. Here we go. So the first question I had, uh, I had asked Umberto was, how did he get involved in the arts, and uh, did he have family who were who were artists? Uh, and his response was, I always liked art. Since I was a child, I liked to draw. My parents never did art. They were of modest origin. 
My grandfather taught wrought iron at the art school, but I never met him. I was born in 1959 in Abruzzo, a small village on the hills near the mountains in the cent central Apennines. Again, please forgive me if I screw something up and how I pronounce things. Uh, I had no great opportunities. My family was modest. My father repaired and sold televisions and appliances. My mother helped him in the shop and was a housewife. He raised four children and I was the last born. I liked to paint. I did art exhibitions. After kindergarten, I went to the State Institute of Art, a school that was in my small town. As a teenager, I fled my country. I often went to Rome, the capital of Italy, and certainly the liveliest city. I went to visit friends who lived there and who could accommodate me. I went to see exhibitions, great monuments, and beautiful art galleries. When I finished high school, I enrolled in university. I attended the University of Bologna for a few years. DAMS, or the Discipline of Arts and Entertainment, a new university founded in Bologna in the 1970s. There, I had great teachers such as Umberto Eco and Renato Barile. Bologna in the 1970s was a very lively city. It was the hottest city for student political movements. It was also a very expensive city. Then, I had to change my city. I chose L'Aquila, the capital of Abruzzo, a very lively city culturally, very close to Rome. With less than an hour's drive on the motorway, you arrive in Rome. The Rome of Sincitia, of the Opera House, of the symphonic orchestras, and with more than 80 theaters. In short, one of the largest cultural centers in Italy. In L'Aquila, I attended the Academy of Fine Arts. I chose sonography unconsciously, but in reality, I was very attracted by the visual arts. The proximity of L'Aquila to Rome allowed me to travel often. While I was studying, I was able to do small jobs to do the help set designer, painter, and stage builder. I began to attend the workshops of stage construction of large and small theaters, the laboratories of Sinceta. I was commuting. In the evening, I slept in L'Aquila. In the morning, I attended the Academy of Fine Arts, and in the afternoon, I went to Rome to do small jobs. I started my career as the laborer, the worker, then began to make little sets in small Roman theaters. When I graduated from the Academy Bell Art L'Aquila, I moved permanently to Rome. I took a house and continued to work at various theaters and Sincitia as a stage designer. Then I started to draw small sets to make assistant to great teachers and directors. This was when my career began. I was now 35 years old, but I never imagined that I would do sonography. I discovered the reason why I am a set designer when I was an adult by talking to a friend of mine who is a psychologist. As I told you, I was born in a small town. My father was an electrical technician. He repaired and sold TVs. My, my mother didn't want me to go around the country. She sent me to her brother, Uncle Luigi. Uncle Luigi was a cinema operator. He projected the films at the local cinema. My childhood was exactly like New Cinema Paradiso. Here, I was like Toto, the character of that film. This gave me imprinting. Watching TV while my father was repairing them, watching the films from the cage where they were projected, they transmitted to me the bottom of the soul, to do this job or profession, but without my knowing it. The love for art was innate, but I thought I would be a visual artist, not a set designer. It is not an easy task to, talk, to tell about oneself, to transmit, to exhibit one's professional life. I think my professional history has been very intense. I've had a lot of experience. I have worked a lot in the field of art and entertainment, ranging with extreme ease from spectacular events to prose, from operas to television broadcasts from fashion shows to commercials. I was the set designer, the painter, but also the manager, the head of the order. 
I have created sets, direct scenographic installations for great artists, for important companies and bodies, organizing the whole operation for them and putting together human, financial, business, and procurement resources, planning the work both in the artistic and technical sense. I am certainly a man who loves and lives intensely his work. My next question to Umberto, because one of the things that Umberto does professionally is he keeps a, a public presence, and on that public presence is a blog. I asked him, on your blog, you refer to yourself as an image builder. What does it mean to you to be a sonographer, and how do you explain that to someone? His response, yes, so I wrote on my website. This nickname was actually given to me by a TV producer. When he gave me a job, I thought of everything, the set, the lights, the costumes, the direction. I always imagined a show in all its facets, from the beginning to the end. I've always imagined all the phases of the show or of an event or of a film for each scene, a sequence, just image by image. And so that's how that nickname was born, Builder of, Builder of Images, which I then put on my business cards. I like this nickname because it describes well the work of the set designer, building the scenic image. Everything that a theatrical text has to tell has to go through the set design. Without an image, without a scene, any theatrical or cinema, cin cinematographic text is based on nothing. Acting on a black background or on a white background is reductive. It is to leave the void around a beautiful text, like the poems told at school in front of the blackboard in the classroom. But if you want to bring out all the fantasy that the writer has written, must be told on a set. Music to be seen. Theater is story to be seen. Here for me, the set designer tells through images, builds the images for the, for the theatrical text for a director. So from there, I asked Umberto, what advice do you give when you, ask, when you, are, when you are asked about an idea or project? When I, when I am asked for an idea or a project, I try to understand what it means to tell the producer or director what are his motivations. In which, in, in which environment do you want to represent your idea? I always say that the best message to give is professionalism, doing things right, to be perfect, giving the public an image that leaves something to dream in the mind of the viewer. And so I always recommend finding a key to regarding that strikes the viewer and makes him dream. You satisfy him. Never put the cost before everything, but try to be clear and do a great job. The economy will come later, in the search for a solution established at a fair price. My, my next question, who are your mentors and where does inspiration for you come from? His reply, as I told you, I come from a humble family, from a small village with few inhabitants. My family is not in the art world. When I, when I discovered that I loved art, I realized that I had to leave my land. I then understood that I had to insist. I had to make sacrifices to get what I wanted. My commitment had to be very strong. I didn't have to people to ask for help. So, be, so to be able to move forward, I had to rely on only myself. To work, to work, to work. To refine my professionalism every day in order to be competitive and not to have compromises. I told you that initially in my career, after my studies, I began to be a set designer, a painter, stage builder, a set designer's assistant to various Italian masters. When I moved to Rome, I started my activity as a set designer, collaborating in the staging of Barnum, wanted by Garnier and Giovanni at the Teatro Sistina in Rome. I collaborate with Sino 80, students of Camillo 
Paravicini, including Mario Amadio, painting the great scenic backdrops and perspectives with the ancient technique of natural colors and nerds. I designed the Cenotecnica and direct the realization of great shows such as the Macbeth invented by Giacomo Manzu for the Teatro San Carlo in Naples. There I was noticed by Luciano Damiani, I think without a doubt one of the most important set designers in the world. He saw in me both artistic skills and organizational and manual skills. He had seen me paint and build some scenes, and so he wanted me in his staff. I would say that Luciano Damiani was my great mentor. I've worked with him for over 10 years. I made great shows that remain in the history books with him. I have a precious collaboration with Maestro Luciano Damiani, with whom I spend the 80s professionally, from the historical Cavalleria Rusticana and Salvatore Giuliano for the Teatro dell'Opera in Rome, Orfeo for the Teatro alla Scala in Milan, to the Castello Sforzeco, Orfea e Eurydice at the Reggio in Parma, La Nota della Musica at the Teatro Farnese in Parma, The Fairy Queen, directed by Ronconi, right up to the memorable show, Fasten Your Seatbelts for the trio Solingini Marchensini Lopez, and again with the birth of the Teatro dei Documenti in Rome. But then, being very in love with my work, I could do several jobs at once. I worked with great set designers and directors, Franco Zeffirelli, Peter Stalin, or Peter Stein, Aldo Trionfo, Roland Pettit. I have worked a lot in my life. I think I have an excellent curriculum, and the inspiration always comes from my love for this job. The passion for art, for theater, for cinema, for the story through images, the source of inspiration is always the passion for music, for literature. In short, life is my great muse. In all these years, my passion for this profession has led me to range in all areas of sonography, theater, musical theater, and opera, television, film, events, and fashion. Since November 2010, I have been teaching sonography and lighting design at the School of Sonography of the Academy of Fine Arts in L'Aquila. This is another great passion because teaching young people is something I love. It seems to me my duty to give young people everything I have learned over the years with difficulty to give them a contribution to their professional growth. My next question where do you wish to travel to and explore next? His answer, I have traveled a lot in my life for pleasure and for work. I have worked for many European theaters. I think I have walked on the stages of almost all the theaters in Europe, from north to south. I know Italy perfectly with all its small historical theaters. I have been to the Teatro alla Scala, Opera House Zurich, Schönborn Berlin, Covent Garden, Antwerp, Opera Paris, Opera Marseille, and many others. I know Ireland, Scotland, France, Romania, Russia, Greece, but I have never gone out of Europe. I know very little piece of land in Italy and Europe. I have traveled along country roads, touching even very small villages, but this was a great limitation for me. I never went out of this content, continent. I have never been to America and never to Asia or Africa. I'll be in June in Prague and then again in Berlin and Slovenia this summer. The first will be for work but I would love to come to America, go to South America to see the Aztec culture, the Mayans. And finally, the last question that I was able to, to ask Umberto. I said, is there a project, person, or event that you wish to let people know about that does not get recognition 
but should. His reply, there are so many projects, people little known, but who need attention. Art and culture is still not very much exalted. Today, social networks tend to flatten and standardize culture a lot. Everyone tries to surprise by telling of an exotic journey or to enhance their body or their clothing. We forget that in small territories, instead, we try to live on healthy reading of small artists who try to make the small community live through great classical texts. There are historical theaters, small, located in small villages, of extraordinary beauty. These tell the cultural tradition, the tradition, the desire for aggregation. Small theaters, true jewels for humanity, with historical machines built by unknown craftsmen. Here I would say that you should make known to all the effort, the effort of those small theater companies, those small artists who work in small communities to keep alive the passion and culture. So those were the responses from Umberto to the six, six questions I was able to, to send to him, and he was a, very generous to respond to. Uh, he, we did a little bit of, it took a little bit of doing the, the translation from Italian into English. And so some of it will probably, probably sounded a little awkward, um, just because maybe the translation wasn't, uh, totally direct. However, I don't think that takes away from the thoughts and ideas and the passion that Umberto, uh, carries with him. And he, I believe he passes along not only to the students that he obviously uh, cares great deal about, but also by the people that he comes into contact with. I think the most important thing that we carry on in these conversations is that we understand that there is a lot involved in us. This isn't just by the numbers. It's actually a part of each and every one of us that, you know, it's nice to think about the bigger and the greater and the grander, but it's like the uh, the line in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, if you if you don't stop once in a while and look around, you might miss you might miss something. I know it's kind of weird to to quote a movie from the '80s, but I'm an '80s child. What can I say? The important thing is not necessarily the the movie, but the idea that take the time, look around, go explore. Find the roads that maybe are a little less traveled. Stop into little theaters. You never know what genius or maybe just something you haven't uh, been exposed to would be there. So, I, again, I'd like to thank Umberto for his time, for his effort, for his generosity. I look forward to seeing him uh, along the road. I look forward to seeing his work. And you know what? Just in general, I look forward to to being part of the community of the artists the sonographers the designers the people who are passionate about this world of theater and production all right everybody i want to thank you again i know this episode is probably a little bit shorter than you expected however it doesn't mean that it's a lesser episode it just means that you know what this is how it turned out this is how it was so again i wish you all a lovely day, wherever you may be, and take care. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of the podcast. 
Remember, this podcast is listener-supported, so wherever you get it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This podcast can be found on such platforms as iTunes Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, we can be reached at archivett24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's A-R-C-H-I-V-E-T-T-24 at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Archiving Technical Theater History. We appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.